Chapter Twenty Two of the Little Minister. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Little Minister by J. M. Barry. Chapter Twenty Two. Lovers. Only something terrible, Gavin thought, could have brought Babbie to him at such an hour. Yet when he left his mother's room it was to stand motionless on the stair, waiting for a silence in the manse that would not come. A house is never still in the darkness to those who listen intently. There is a whispering in distant chambers. An unearthly hand presses the snib of the window. The latch rises. Ghosts were created when the first man woke in the night. Now Margaret slept. Two hours earlier, Jean, sitting on the salt bucket, had read the chapter with which she always sent herself to bed. In honor of the little minister, she had begun her Bible afresh when he came to Thrums, and was progressing through it, a chapter at night, sighing, perhaps on washing days, at a long chapter, such as Exodus twelfth, but never making two of it. The kitchen wag at the wall clock was telling every room in the house that she had neglected to shut her door. As Gavin felt his way down the dark stair, awakening it to protest at every step, he had a glimpse of the pendulum's shadow running back and forward on the hearth. He started back from another shadow on the lobby wall, and then, seeing it start, too, knew it for his own. He opened the door and passed out unobserved. It was as if the sounds and shadows that filled the manse were too occupied with their game to mind an interloper. "'Is that you?' he said to a bush, for the garden was in semi-darkness. Then the lantern's flash met him, and he saw the Egyptian in the summer seat. "'At last!' she said reproachfully. "'Evidently a lantern is a poor doorbell.' "'What is it?' Gavin asked, in suppressed excitement, for the least he expected to hear was that she was again being pursued for her share in the riot. The tremor in his voice surprised her into silence, and he thought she faltered because what she had to tell him was so woeful. So in the darkness of the summer seat he kissed her, and she might have known that with that kiss the little minister was hers forever. Now, Babbie had been kissed before, but never thus, and she turned from Gavin, and would have liked to be alone, for she had begun to know what love was, and the flesh that revealed it to her laid bare her own shame, so that her impulse was to hide herself from her lover. But of all this Gavin was unconscious, and he repeated his question. The lantern was swaying in her hand, and when she turned fearfully to him, its light fell on his face, and she saw how alarmed he was. "'I am going away back to Nanny's,' she said suddenly, and rose, cowed, but he took her hand and held her. "'Babby,' he said huskily, "'tell me what has happened to bring you here at this hour.' She sought to pull her hand from him, but could not. "'How you are trembling,' he whispered. "'Babby,' he cried, "'something terrible has happened to you, but do not fear. Tell me what it is, and then—' then i will take you to my mother yes i will take you now the egyptian would have given all she had in the world to be able to fly from him then that he might never know her as she was but it could not be and so she spoke out remorselessly if her voice had become hard it was a newborn scorn of herself that made it so you are needlessly alarmed she said i am not at all the kind of person who deserves sympathy or expects it there is nothing wrong I am staying with Nanny overnight, and only came to Thrums to amuse myself. I chased your policeman down the roods with my lantern, and then came here to amuse myself with you. That is all. It was nothing but a love of mischief that brought you here? Gavin asked sternly, after an unpleasant pause. Nothing, the Egyptian answered recklessly. 
i could not have believed this of you the minister said i am ashamed of you i thought babbie retorted trying to speak lightly until she could get away from him that you would be glad to see me your last words in camden seemed to justify that idea i am very sorry to see you he answered reproachfully then i will go away at once she said stepping out of the summer seat yes he replied you must go at once then i won't she said turning back defiantly i know what you are to say that the thrums people would be shocked if they knew i was here as if i cared what the thrums people think of me i care what they think of you gavin said as if that were decisive and i tell you i will not allow you to repeat this freak you will not allow me echoed babbie almost enjoying herself despite her sudden loss of self-respect i will not gavin said resolutely henceforth you must do as i think fit since when have you taken command of me demanded babbie since a minute ago gavin replied when you let me kiss you let you exclaimed babbie now justly incensed you did it yourself i was very angry no you were not i am not allowed to say even that asked the egyptian tell me something i may say then and i will repeat it after you i have something to say to you gavin told her after a moment's reflection yes and there is something i should like to hear you repeat after me but not to-night i don't want to hear what it is babbie said quickly but she knew what it was and even then despite the new pain at her heart her bosom swelled with pride because this man still loved her now she wanted to run away with his love for her before he could take it from her and then realizing that this parting must be forever a great desire filled her to hear him put that kiss into words and she said faltering you can tell me what it is if you like not to-night said gavin to-night if at all the gypsy almost entreated to-morrow at nanny's answered gavin decisively and this time he remembered without dismay that the morrow was the sabbath in the fairy tale the beast suddenly drops his skin and is a prince and i believed it seemed to babbie that some such change had come over this man her plaything your lantern is shining on my mother's window were the words that woke her from this discovery and then she found herself yielding the lantern to him she became conscious vaguely that a corresponding change was taking place in herself you spoke of taking me to your mother she said bitterly yes he answered at once to-morrow but she shook her head knowing that to-morrow he would be wiser give me the lantern she said in a low voice i am going back to nanny's now yes he said we must set out now but i can carry the lantern you are not coming with me she exclaimed shaking herself free of his hand i am coming he replied calmly though he was not calm take my arm babbie she made a last effort to free herself from bondage crying passionately i will not let you come when i say i am coming gavin answered between his teeth i mean that i am coming and so let that be an end of this folly take my arm i think i hate you she said retreating from him take my arm he repeated and though her breast was rising rebelliously she did as he ordered and so he escorted her from the garden at the foot of the field she stopped and thought to frighten him by saying what would the people say if they saw you with me now it does not matter what they would say he answered still keeping his teeth together as if doubtful of their courage as for what they would do that is certain they would put me out of my church and is it dear to you dearer than life you told me long ago that your mother's heart would break if yes i am sure it would they had begun to climb the fields but she stopped him with a jerk go back mr dishart she implored clutching his arm with both hands you make me very unhappy for no purpose oh why should you risk so much for me 
i cannot have you wandering here alone at midnight gavin answered gently that is nothing to me she said eagerly but no longer resenting his air of proprietorship you will never do it again if i can prevent it but you cannot she said sadly oh yes you can mr dishart if you will turn back now i shall promise never to do anything again without first asking myself whether it would seem right to you i know i acted very wrongly to-night only thoughtlessly he said then have pity on me she besought him and go back if i have only been thoughtless how can you punish me thus mr dishart she entreated her voice breaking if you were to suffer for this folly of mine do you think i could live we are in god's hands dear he answered firmly and he again drew her arm to him so they climbed the first field and were almost at the hill before either spoke again stop babbie whispered crouching as she spoke i see someone crossing the hill i have seen him for some time gavin answered quietly but i am doing no wrong and i will not hide the egyptian had to walk on with him and i suppose she did not think the less of him for that yet she said warningly if he sees you all thrums will be in an uproar before morning i cannot help that gavin replied it is the will of god to ruin you for my sins if he thinks fit the figure drew nearer and with every step babbie's distress doubled we are walking straight to him she whispered i implore you to wait here until he passes if not for your own sake for your mother's at that he wavered and she heard his teeth sliding against each other as if he could no longer clench them but no he said moving on again i will not be a skulker from any man if it be god's wish that i should suffer for this i must suffer oh why cried babbie beating her hands together in grief should you suffer for me you are mine gavin answered babbie gasped and if you act foolishly he continued it is right that i should bear the brunt of it no i will not let you go on alone you are not fit to be alone you need someone to watch over you and care for you and love you and if need be to suffer with you turn back dear before he sees us he has seen us yes i had seen them for the figure on the hill was no other than the dominie of glen Quharity. the park gate clicked as it swung to and i looked up and saw gavin and the egyptian my eyes should have found them sooner but it was to gaze upon margaret's home while no one saw me that i had trudged into thrums so late and by that time i suppose my eyes were of little service for seeing through yet when i knew that of these two people suddenly beside me on the hill one was the little minister and the other a strange woman i fell back from their side with dread before i could step forward and cry gavin i am mr dishart he answered with a composure that would not have served him for another sentence he was more excited than i for the gavin fell harmlessly on him while i had no sooner uttered it than there rushed through me the shame of being false to margaret it was the only time in my life that i forgot her in him though he has ever stood next to her in my regard i looked from gavin to the gypsy woman and again from her to him and she began to tell a lie in his interest but she got no further than i met mr dishart accident when she stopped ashamed it was reverence for gavin that checked a lie not every man has had such a compliment paid him it is natural gavin said slowly that you sir should wonder why i am here with this woman at such an hour and you may know me so little as to think ill of me for it i did not answer and he misunderstood my silence no he continued in a harder voice as if i had asked him a question i will explain nothing to you you are not my judge if you would do me harm sir you have it in your power 
it was with these cruel words that gavin addressed me he did not know how cruel they were the egyptian i think must have seen that his suspicions hurt me for she said softly with a look of appeal in her eyes you are the schoolmaster in glen Coharty. then you will perhaps save mr dishart the trouble of coming farther by showing me the way to old nanny webster's house at windyghoul i have to pass the house at any rate i answered eagerly and she came quickly to my side i knew though in the darkness i could see but vaguely that gavin was holding his head high and waiting for me to say my worst i had not told him that i dared think no evil of them and he still suspected me now i would not trust myself to speak lest i should betray margaret and yet i wanted him to know that base doubts about him could never find a shelter in me i am a timid man who long ago lost the glory of my life by it and i was again timid when i sought to let gavin see that my faith in him was unshaken i lifted my bonnet to the gypsy and asked her to take my arm it was done clumsily i cannot doubt but he read my meaning and held out his hand to me i had not touched it since he was three years old and i trembled too much to give it the grasp i owed it he and i parted without a word but to the egyptian he said to-morrow dear i will see you at nanny's and he was to kiss her but i pulled her a step farther from him and she put her hands over her face crying no no if i asked her some questions between the hill and windy ghoul you must not blame me for this was my affair as well as theirs she did not answer me i know now that she did not hear me but at the mud-house she looked abruptly into my face and said you love him too i trudged to the schoolhouse with these words for company and it was less her discovery than her confession that tortured me how much i slept that night you may guess End of chapter 22